All right. I have Bobby from Rhode Island. That's right. We can say Boston close enough. Yes, hey, Bobby. I'm, I'm Bobby Pape from Boston. Uh, you may be aware of this, but Mike Frizzell and Christy Wise and I host a fan podcast about TBTL called Little Red Bandwagon. Mm, not familiar. It comes out twice a week. We're on iTunes at Little Red Bandwagon and LittleRedBandwagon.com. We interview tens on Saturdays. We're, We're editing all of this Mondays. out. Yeah. Please, sir, get to the question. I'm just curious if I can do a quick commercial for Little Red Bandwagon. I think you just did. <laughs> yes, I did. Thank you. <laughs> you Thank you, Phyllis. <laughs> nice. You flew across the country for that. <laughs> Welcome aboard the Little Red Bandwagon, your twice-weekly podcast dedicated to the radio show slash podcast, Too Beautiful to Live. I'm Bobby Pape. On Saturdays, we bring you a highlight from TBTL history. You just heard a look back at Chateau San michel Picnic's past. On Mondays, we recap the latest TBTL week that was, and to do that, I am joined by our resident heartbreaker, now one step closer to being off the market, Christy Wise. Hello, Christy. Hello. Hello, Bobby. And fresh off his latest parole violation, we are excited to welcome back our favorite felon, Mike Frizzell. Hello, Michael. You are receiving a call from an inmate in the Travis County <laughs> Correctional Facility. I talked about this. Do you accept? We can't afford collect calls, Mike. Sorry. <laughs> There's a reason you haven't been on. Yeah, we don't have NPR yeah, money. Hour and a half of collect calls from, from jail. That's not going to work. <laughs> Buddy, we missed you. How have you been? Uh, I'll tell you what. I'll tell the story in a minute. Um, I'm doing okay, but uh, you guys have been doing a fantastic job. I've really enjoyed the shows. I think it's been three shows now that I've missed. It felt like, like 10. That. Yeah, it felt like one day felt like two and a half weeks. and then But then the second day... It kind of felt like half a day, though. But then by the third day, and the day you had, the day you had to talk to Farewell seemed like months. Seemed like sure. months. <laughs> All right, I've fallen down on the job here. Let me finish the introduction. So oh, we're going to do some sure. LRB business, including Mike's stories from the wild, Lou Yonder, uh, and uh, of course some talk of the picnic. We'll do more of that in our week in review, followed by some housekeeping, and then we'll talk to you, faithful wagoneers, about how you can get involved. But now. Uh, before we get into the Week in Review, Mike, uh, inquiring minds do want to know. So um, tell us your tale. Well, I have a pretty good record of attendance for podcasting. I don't think uh, we ever missed a show, missed doing a show for takedown over a period of two years. We had some unreleasable material, <laughs> so we missed weeks. But um, it takes a lot for me to miss a week, to miss a show or two, or in this case, three. What happened uh, was... This was a little, about two and a half weeks ago now, uh, Emily, my wife, was in North Carolina on a business trip, and she started having headaches. And they weren't the worst headaches she's ever had, but they felt different than any kind of headache she'd had. And we were talking during the week, and she uh, was describing her symptoms um, that sh her headaches would increase when she would move her head quickly or when she would stand up. And to me, it sounded like a sinus infection because I've had those before, and that's kind of how it presents itself. Your head starts pounding when you, you know, move it, when you move it quickly or stand up or dip your head. And so I, I asked her to go to an urgent care, and she 
thought that would be a good idea. So she went to an urgent care and they examined her and said that there was nothing wrong with her. Mm-hmm. Um, and they offered her some pain medication. This being, you know, North Carolina, I think it's like pain medication mm-hmm. country. Did she take so it? So I think they thought she was, no, she did uh-huh. not. She did not, didn't take any pain medication. And, uh, actually the headaches started to subside a day or two later in North Carolina, but she did wake up. She was supposed to come home that Thursday night and her flights were canceled because there were rainstorms, thunderstorms in the southeast. So she was going to be delayed until Friday night coming home. And she called me very late on Thursday night, Friday morning, and she was confused about, um, you know, what was real and what wasn't. And at, the, at, at first I thought maybe she'd had a nightmare and um, just needed some reassuring. But it was a different kind of confusion and she she started kind of going in loops as far as she was having deja vu about everything and she, i she she faked her way through work the next day cuz she since she wasn't coming home till friday night she went into the client on friday morning and tried to work all day but felt really incompetent and hazy and was still having like deja vu moments and by the time i picked her up at the airport Later on on Friday night, it was like nine o'clock. Um, she'd had a real bad airplane experience. She, uh, she had three drinks on the plane and I don't think she's ever had more than one drink on a plane. So she's like making bad decisions and she, she, she fell asleep and had to be woken up twice upon exiting. Once when they first landed, her seatmate woke her up. And then once again, the flight attendant woke her up as everyone was, you know, everyone in front of her had gotten off the plane. So she got off the plane and she got in the car with me and she was still having these confusion issues. And we had a really rough night that night. She kept waking up and asking me the same questions over and over. Um, and that went on into Saturday morning. She had a lot of confusion about, she's super competent at work. She'd just gotten a promotion, just gotten a raise. They're, they're hiring people to help her in her job, but she was stuck in some mental loop about some meeting that had never actually happened months previously where she had been told that she was on a short leash and that these people that are being hired were being hired to replace her. And it was simply ridiculous. And, and, but over the, over the morning on Saturday, um, her best friend and I were able to talk her into the fact that that wasn't real. She still, she still believed it, but there, there was no way to, prove that this this meeting happened um because she keep she keeps meticulous notes and she would have you know made notes that such a meeting had happened so we were able to convince her that it didn't um but another thing that happened on that saturday was she had to enter her, her time and her expenses which usually takes her about an hour and it took her about 7 hours that saturday and she did it wrong so you know mentally very worrisome she was very irritable and on, on sunday she was a little bit better but still very irritable um, so Monday morning we went in to see a doctor that we heard was good. Just a, just a regular doctor, not a, not anything neurology or anything. Um, he found, he found some, some problems with her thyroid, which we're going to be dealing with separately that, that aren't entirely uncommon and aren't too scary. But he also ordered an immediate MRI. So we went, uh, we drove down south of town to get an MRI on her brain and we had the results by dinner time that night and there, uh, there is a large, uh, cloudy, um, I don't want to say mass because we're, we're really not sure what it is yet, but there, there was something 
on the frontal right frontal lobe of her brain. It was five bigger than five centimeters, and it was you could see that it was also like pushing out against. It was making the brain push out a little bit against the skull, which I think was what was giving her this confusion. I mean, we went to see a neurologist the next day, a neurosurgeon and a neurologist the next day, and neither one of them wanted to say it was a cancerous tumor. Neither one of them wanted to say it was even a tumor at all, but um, but there's something big there. Um, her headaches had disappeared. She she really only has them sporadically now, and we're not sure if the headaches are are related to whatever we're seeing in her brain. But she's had to go through a lot of tests now to try to eliminate things. She's had a spinal tap. She's had a lot more blood tests. She's had uh, a lot of tests on this thyroid thing. And she had an EEG to make sure that she wasn't having um, brain seizures. They, they they feel like she might have had a brain seizure or seizures when she was in North Carolina, which caused the initial round of symptoms. But we really won't know definitively whether this thing is is a tumor or it was um, some kind of a virus or or what it is until we get the next MRI. We're going in for an MRI on the 1st of September, and then we'll see the neurologist again on the 3rd. And so there's a lot up in the air. They've, they've eliminated Parkinson's and Alzheimer's. That's really all that's been eliminated. Of course, all the like, you know, um, I guess diseases like AIDS and, and MS, and there's a lot of things that, that can give you swelling in the brain or, you know, masses or cloudiness or whatever in the brain. And, you know, a lot of stuff's been eliminated, but there's a lot of real scary stuff still on the table. Um, so it's been really almost two weeks now of just keeping an eye on her and taking her to the doctor. And um, she's she's really meticulous about this as she is in her work. And she's really taking good notes. I'm helping with that. And we're trying to make sure that she gets the best and most complete care that she can. If, if, if this next MRI, you know, still shows the same, the same cloudiness or even worse, then, you know, obviously we have to go get another round of opinions and, and we are, um, we're set to go to a, there's a, there's a really good program in Houston called it, um, MD Anderson Cancer Center that, that she was looking into yesterday and we we're also we're already set up to go there if and when we need to to go through a, a whole round of second opinions and and to seek treatment there so that's where i've been i've sort of been on the fringes um talking to you guys on and off and and i know i know you all were up to date but i know some of the, some people at the picnic had details some didn't and a lot of people are asking uh thank you for asking and thank you for all your kind words and we really appreciate it. Um, but it's, it's nice to be back doing this. Uh, Emily's in the other room. She's feeling fine. She's virtually asymptomatic. So that's, it's, it's good. Her mom, her, her mom came for about a week and that was really helpful, uh, cooking meals and allowing me to sleep and go back to work and, and stuff like that. But she left because, because as I said, Emily's feeling fine right now. Uh, Cullen went back to school, so it's just Emily and I here now. Um, and I'm not real comfortable leaving her alone for long stretches, so I've been just going to work for a few hours at a time and not leaving her for much longer than that. 
So that's that's where we are, guys. Uh, I know you guys knew this, but I just wanted to let everyone else know um, why I've been so lazy about being on the podcast. <laughs> about half an hour ago, I just want everyone to know that Emily sent us a Facebook message to our little recording group here that just reads, Mike trimmed his nose hair and plans to steal Christy away. <laughs> So well, I can't stay on the bench forever, guys. I mean, I got to get back in the game. <laughs> I know that that you've been telling us the last couple of days that that Emily's been asymptomatic, which has been a great word mm-hmm. to hear. But that message really sealed the deal for me that that Emily is Emily, and we're so glad to get that. So, um, yeah. And to all of you listening right now, I apologize. Mike uh, proved that he's trimmed his nose hair on our video chat before we started recording but i could not get a screen grab in time so you've all been spared maybe that should be our show photo today (laughs) Um, mike i want to just ask you while we're recording the same question i've been asking you i don't know every day or two for the last couple of weeks by text and facebook message how are you doing and uh are you are you keeping up with your cheese quotas? And <laughs> I know you were you took some time off from work. Now you just mentioned you're going back a little bit, but like, uh, make sure you're taking care of yourself while you're taking care of others. Are you all right? Yeah, yeah, I'm doing all right. I mean, I've lost enough weight to where I need to get a new belt. Um, <laughs> and we we tried to go out. You know, this was a big outing because she hasn't been out of the house much. We went out yesterday and we we drove up to the Nordstrom Rack, but. What you have to realize is that in Texas, uh, all the kids go back to school in mid-August uh, because no one even wants to be outside. They should just – school should happen in Texas, I think, starting in June because it's useless to go outside. So it, it starts early and so the back to school was in full swing and neither one of us I, – I felt like I had some kind of a brain tumor or cloudiness when I pulled into that parking lot. I was like, I would, I need to get the hell out of mm-hmm. here. So we've decided to just get, get, uh, an all, uh, some kind of a uh, le- leather puncture. And we're just going to make this belt keep working <laughs> for us. <laughs> I thought I saw the, I saw Emily's post about your new belt and I thought it was the other way. You needed a bigger one. Yeah, I think like a lot of people did. They think that I'm getting fatter. Well, emotional eating, it could happen. It could have been. You had mentioned, you had mentioned that your mother-in-law was cooking like many meals a day for you guys while she was in town. Yeah. So we just figured the stretchy belt was the way to go. No, she, she helped me level out. Uh, I finally got to eating and we're still eating stuff that she left and froze, (laughs) but, but I'm still fixing myself ladies' plates. I'm not, I'm not going whole really going for Can it. we start a get Mike a belt fund? <laughs> it's not <laughs> lack of funds. It's lack of mental fortitude exactly. to deal with uh, back to school. And and I'm I just not comfortable ordering a belt online. Okay. We're going to we're gonna raise enough money to hire a tailor to come out to your house and measure you. <laughs> and then a leather worker, leather, leather guy, craftsman, I don't know, to make you a belt, Mike. So we'll get you covered. Mm-hmm. Well, until then, I'm going to Lowe's later today to try out different bungee cords. <laughs> Wait, can't she knit you one? She could, but a knit belt doesn't seem <laughs> doesn't doesn't seem to provide much support, you know. For every afghan that I've tried to use as a throw, like from the couch to stay warm, it would be equally effective, I think. <laughs> yeah, very holy and not not very strong. Well, Mike, we're glad to have you back. We missed you. Um, 
I think people are probably sick of hearing me and Christy without your yes. delightful interruptions and prison stories. So. And keeping us on time. <laughs> no kidding. Got <laughs> the longest we can review to date last week. So Mike. It was good, though. I enjoyed it. Uh, we clearly also have some other news to talk about this week. Um, we had a picnic during the week in review. Did something happen there? So I heard some. I heard something. Apparently, we, Judy you know, Sam brought some delicious desserts. <laughs> That's right. Oh, and wow! And I knew she would. I saw pictures, so I, I knew it would be delicious. <laughs> Do you want to talk about that in the week in review, kind of in the timeline where it goes? Since sure. um, since it kind of was the episode anyway. Sure. All right, so let's plow through these other episodes of the week, because really nothing else was as interesting as that. Uh, but we'll start our Week in Review with Monday, 1927. Can you quirking believe this? We come back on Monday with uh, some intro conversation about the uh, TV series Hard Knocks, and this year's episode, uh, or rather, season of the show. Are you guys watching it? Because I actually am too cheap to buy HBO and too lazy to <laughs> steal someone's password. <laughs> I've never watched it, which is weird because I love football so much. Right. Um, I know that the Seahawks were supposed to be at a couple seasons ago, and Pete Carroll said no way. Um, I might try it out. There's nothing else on HBO right now. Right. So this year they're they're following the Houston Texans, and it was exciting for our friends because Brandon Whedon was being sort of showcased a little bit. Or was it... Um, Hoyer, excuse me. Yes. Right. <laughs> um, I, I'm not watching, I don't know. Uh, basically, I would rather watch Behind the Mask than Hard Knocks. So. <laughs> There's room in my heart for both of those. Fair enough. I feel like I, they pick a I like Hard Knocks. Yeah, I feel like they pick a team that no one cares about, and then you care about it. Well, I think... Yeah, and, and this, this, t- this year's team in particular uh, is the home team for Austin. I mean, that... Houston Great. Texans. That was the game on the radio last night. That those are the local. That's the local feed that we get. So I'm. I actually am a little bit interested in the Houston Texans, and I. I always think it's interesting when they follow a team that just has a disastrous quarterback situation and an angry coach. That's what you would really like about this okay. season, which is exactly Pape. why I wish they would do the Buffalo Bills. Now that we have Rex Ryan, <laughs> and we're oh, and yeah. we're scrapping together every bully and bastard from across the NFL who other teams don't want right um, they're all landing in buffalo so i i wonder maybe next year i don't know they did the jets a few years ago so i think and that was during rex ryan's time it must have been so yeah uh i think it would be fun i mean the bills are going to explode this year they're either going to be amazing or they're going to be terrible so mm-hmm. it would be a fun one to see as it all comes together but uh that's that's probably the only reason i go out of my way to watch well, this season, this season is worth watching, if only because the Houston Texans, I think it's his second year as coach. He is a maniac. He's scary. I would do everything he said. I don't care if I were the biggest guy, biggest, toughest guy on that team. I would do everything this guy said because I think he's crazy. Okay, now I really want to watch. Uh, our top story from Monday was the beginning of the controversy surrounding the fat Jew or... Uh, what were the names that came up with on the show? The Husky Gentile. <laughs> the Big Bone Gentile would be our version of that. Um, this Fat Jew storyline is a thread through the entire week uh, that I really couldn't care that much less about. He plagiarized. He became famous because he plagiarized 
and now he's getting defensive because people are calling him out on writing plagiarism for his fame. Did I miss something beyond that, or is this just a slow week internet story? Well, I think the reason it became a big story was everybody's been on Twitter, at least the, the comedians that I follow, everyone's been onto this guy for a long time and very scornful of him. But what happened over the last couple of weeks is he got signed to CAA and got a pilot with Comedy Central. So obviously everyone doubled, tripled, quadrupled down on their hatred of this guy. That's, that's why it turned into such a big thing. Cause before that was just some guy stealing tweets and maybe, maybe he, you know, is making a little money from sponsors or whatever. But now he's, he has stolen all of his decent material and now he's being sort of richly rewarded for it. And that's what's making everybody mad. Right. Though it sounds like, uh, the universe is self-correcting a little bit. Did I hear that the pilot's dead in the water? And yeah, yeah, good. So, yeah, good. This is there's a couple of these kind of um, accounts on Instagram, and Jeremy would always get so mad because there's another one called Fuck Jerry. Sorry, Aiden, and he would get so mad because I would laugh at them because they are funny. They're the funniest things that you can find on the internet that week, like the top ten, right? Mm -hmm. um, and he would say, that was funny on Reddit like two weeks ago. <laughs> and right. like, this guy's finding things that are popular on Reddit and just recycling it to pretend it's his own. So that's always that that's been on my radar well, for a while. I've, I've spoken about it a few weeks ago, how like if if I see someone that has the same basic joke as me that, you know, it's a current event, like people are going to have sort of similar jokes. You know, especially if you're just doing something in the moment, just dashing off a joke. Um, but the thing about that is it's not going to be exactly worded the way my joke was. Right. You know, Bobby may make the same joke, but there's no way he's going to come up with the same words in the same exact order unless it's just like a three-word pun. Right. Mine will be funnier. So, <laughs> all right. I see you. I see you. I thought I could work the brain thing, but, you know, now you're already taking shots at me. Well, right. you don't have so, a brain tumor. <laughs> Yeah, I, you know, I was trying to get sympathy by proxy, but I was just impressed you could talk that long about someone other than yourself. Ooh. All right. Ooh. All right. Oh, oh, welcome back. You'll be fine. <laughs> so, will be fine. My point, my, my point is the jokes that he was stealing were word for word. He wasn't even taking the time to try to fake like he'd come up with it himself. Just, you're just chopping off. Uh, whoever actually said it and then just saying it as your own. And that's pretty horrible. Um, I have a story of one time in my life and it, just a little bit of prison, if I could tell it here, but it's a plagiarism story. Okay. Uh, when I, oh, gosh, I think I'd already graduated from college and my, my, my best friend, John, was going to law school in San Diego at USD and I had gone to graduate school at the University of Florida and before I left he showed me a poem that he'd written and John was a wonderful writer I I'm a pretty good writer John is a wonderful writer and he can write poetry which I never attempted to do because I don't think I could actually do it but he showed me this poem and I read it and it was genius it was one of the, one of the best things I'd ever read a scene. It was, it was just funny and touching and just, it was a, I don't want to say it was a masterpiece because I don't know from, from poetry that much, but it was just a great poem. So I read it and read it and read it. And then 
I sort of had it memorized. And then when I, when I went off to graduate school in Florida, uh, I was about one semester in and I heard that there was something going on with the English department. They were asking for submissions, like short stories, poetry, stuff like that. And I had short stories, but they were all terrible. Uh, so I wrote out his poem from memory and I made some changes to it because I was a broadcast major and I wanted to tighten it up and I couldn't just leave it alone. But, um, so just some slightly different version of his poem, but really it was essentially his. And I turned it in and I got a not insubstantial amount of money for it and it was published. And I just kept that under my hat. I, I didn't, I never told anyone that I'd stolen that. So fast forward a few years later, I meet Lee, my first wife, and, you know, we get married and we move to Seattle and, you know, still really good friends with John. Lee's really good friends with him too. And, and I go into the thing where, you know, I, I have to run away, become a fugitive, right? You know, cause I'm bank robber. So I take off, I'm gone for nine months and I know while I'm gone that they are going through everything. And I know that John is going to be going through everything with Lee. And I know he's going to see that I stole his poem and that I made money off it. So I got clean and I, I drove to Seattle and I turned myself in and spent one night in the immigration jail and then the next night in King County jail and just hadn't slept. And I was still, you know, really sick from coming off drugs. Um, they called my name. I was still in the drunk tank. I hadn't gotten upstairs to a unit yet. So you know, just lying there and all the vomit and shit and piss and everything. And I got, they called my name and they said I had a visitor. So I go out to the visiting and I see John there on the other side of the glass, you know, holding the phone. And I just, I start to start to tear up, you know, cause I know, you know, I've really betrayed him and I pick up the phone and, and I say, John, I'm really sorry. And he says, I forgive you. And we both know it wasn't about the bank robberies or abandoning my family. It was about what I did to him. And he was, he was a bigger man and we're still, we're still friends. So there's my plagiarism story. That might be the most sincere thing to come out of this fat Jew news story anywhere. Do you think that the fat Jew is going to do that? Uh, he seems unrepentant. Well, he isn't a, Bath filled with fungians. <laughs> Didn't take me long to, to start crying this week. Yeah. I'll just hope he hears this so that when he tells his story about going to prison for six years, we'll be able to call bullshit on it. <laughs> yeah, he's been dining out on my stories. It's a slippery slope. Steal a palm, rob a bank. That's what happens. It's a gateway drug. <laughs> Poetry is a gateway drug. Just don't start. Poetry theft Kids is a gateway drug. Start. Uh, not that anyone was surprised, but you all knew that those crane games are rigged, right? I didn't. <laughs> I knew that they were terrible, but I didn't know that they were rigged that way. Oh, yeah. They're a lot smarter than I thought they were. Yeah. I love those stupid games. And, like, if we're killing a couple of minutes at a three-way rest stop or something, I'll totally win a stupid basketball or something like that. But, uh, you know, it's just like going to the casino. You've got to understand that the money you're spending is for enjoyment. And then if you get a prize, mm. you get a prize. So if you, if you get a prize, so I have a friend that's really, really good at it. Um, one night she won six in a row. Does that just mean they keep it loose like slots 
or she just is really good at it. There's no Ooh. skill. There's very little skill oh. involved. Oh. I, I mean, I think that there's a margin in there. Even if even if every fifty cents you put in yields a prize, I still think they're winning because those prizes are not. They're, they're not even no, they're, worth like twenty cents usually. They're Chinese stuffed animals filled with sawdust and yeah. SARS. Yeah, it's just so, terrible. Yeah. I yeah. think the reason that it doesn't pay off as often is because they don't want to fill it up as often. I, I think they're making money either way, but it's just lower maintenance if they turn the thing into a very just limp-wristed pickup. Yep. Sorry, I was going to make a limp-wristed joke, but I'm going to move on. <laughs> yeah, let's just move on. Uh, we get yeah. another crappy car story from Luke, but it's just like all the others. And then the end of the episode... <laughs> oh, wait. <laughs> We got a couple of other things going on here. Uh, Mike, you made a note about the email from, is it listener Ted? No. Right, right. Called yes. Susie the Christian Grifter. The Christian Grifter. <laughs> it's very true. She must have learned from all of those years that Luke was in school with the gypsies, but not gypsies. Right. What are they called? Um, Romani? Romani people, yes. Yeah. Um, all I see is Christian Grifter is going to be the next USA Network breakout hit. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, Mike, I actually don't remember the. Oh well, so we get a. Was it a follow up on the the church? No, this is the first no email. Oh, the first. Yeah, email. I think the first. Right. The first email was a. It was a fella who has lost the uh, lost the desire to go to church, but he's going through the motions for his family. I, um, so right. I think that this is, it's one thing to keep going to church just to have family time, but he actually serves at the church, right? He has a job there, not his regular job, but he, I don't know the jobs at churches, greeter or passer outer of body parts, or I don't know what it is, right? Like the <laughs> Jesus body parts. That's or, actually, that that's what the name tag says, passer outer <laughs> of body parts. Uh, Cover layman. upper of sexual abuse. Right. Yes. Uh, lay minister, I think in our, in my Anglican oriented, you know, bringing would be something like that. Uh, Eucharistic minister, things like that. Yeah. Handing out the wafers and the wine. Um, well, and it sounds like he's what, sort of a utility infielder for the church. It sounds like he just I, sort of I, jumps in when they need him. Right. If you, um, do get roped into going to church and you hate it, it's probably better to have something to do. Cause if you're just sitting True. there, you're, you just have this, you know, the, it's on a loop in your head. I hate this. I hate this. I hate this. I hate this. So keeping busy is probably a good thing. But my family, we gave up on church when I was five years old. Um, we used to go to the church across the street from our house, but I think it was like 1970 and NBC, I, this is how I remembered anyway, but NBC started putting NHL hockey games on TV on Sunday mornings. And that was, the, that was the end. That was the end of our church going. <laughs> I mean, That's all we, did, you know, we, we liked hockey, but we weren't passionate about it, but it was enough. It was enough to get us out of the church. <laughs> you became huge fans of, of hockey. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Luke had a point of it's a good family adventure. It's something you have to go to. You have to be there. But if you are an atheist, <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't know. I appreciated the sincerity of the advice that the guys gave with the understanding that they are in no capacity the right people to be giving that advice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, 
if you can get something out of it and it's good for you and it's good for your family, you know, it's kind of like going to an art gallery. Like, just take it at whatever level it's good for you and then move on. Or stay home and watch hockey. That's fine. <laughs> uh, yeah. Your song of the summer winner from our online bracketing is L. King's X's and O's. Um, Jeremy, if you're listening, put in a fanfare or something or a bit of the song. Uh, I was so glad to see this one win. Uh, as I said, I think last week, the tens did a good job. Everyone came together nicely to kind of suss out the best of that bracket system for this year, and I think this was a good contender. Yep. I don't think I could recognize it even if I heard it, actually. Huh? Really? Yeah. This was my I, second I, favorite after I that tune out on these song. things. I can't help it. I just tune out. I, cause, and now I can tune out even more because I know Bobby's listening. That's really <laughs> not, it's really nice. Well, it's a, it's a good song. I think Andrew was a little surprised because it was not... I don't think for him it met the qualifications of a song of the summer quite the way that, that he would hear it. It wasn't quite poppy enough. And from Luke's side, I think he was a little surprised because it's not quite the song you're hearing coming out of everybody's car stereos at stoplights. But I think it will be in mm-hmm. a month or two. I think it's, it's already starting to. Now. It's right. definitely gained momentum. Right. So we're catching it on the upswing and uh, and we'll get to watch it rise and fall like Fernando Rodney. So that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> hey, how dare you bring up Fernando Rodney? But uh, I, I must run in different circles. Maybe I just go to too many CVSs and, and HEBs, but all I ever hear is Natalie Merchant <laughs> everywhere I go. Song of the Summer is... <laughs> that was a Great, Song of the Summer, 1997. Uh, let's go to Tuesday, 1928, the Dread Pirate Funk. I'm going to need some Seattle love to really carry me through this <laughs> one, guys. Uh, the conversation starts with uh, Luke imposing on Andrew to go try to get a better seat on his flight from LA up to Seattle uh, and just won't let it go. Even though Andrew clearly has no interest in trying to work the system to get a better seat. But he did. He told me he ended up in row 10 aisle seat. Right. But he did that when he got to the airport oh, okay. I think, or yeah. when he checked in or something, he did that sort of on the fly. Cause we you know when you check in at one of those kiosks, it asks you if you want to look at your seat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he did it, in the designed way. He didn't go out of his way to try to hack it, uh, you know, the way Luke wanted him to. Um, I had never heard of this system that they use, Concur, uh, until this week. And then when I was flying back from Seattle, the asshole sitting next to me on the aisle seat was in Concur trying to find flights to Bermuda the whole way back. Um, Christy, you have a note on this, so I'm guessing you have some light to shed on Concur. Oh, yes. I, I use it all the time um, for expense reports and booking travel for the people I support. Um, and I actually told Andrew at the picnic that if he has Concur questions, just to reach out to me and I can help him. But the it just issues you tickets and then you can get out of that system. So his ticket was issued. He has a has a confirmation number and then he needs to get out of that and go to alaska.com and do all the changes within that and that's what i told him I don't i'm know sure why that that's probably what alaska. that's probably what emily uses when she did her expense report because it's pretty much the best and only one that's out there um mm-hmm. unless there's some something i don't know about um but yeah so i told him to reach out to me next time <laughs> all right <laughs> 
Um, and it's kind of an Andrew heavy day, actually, because we go from that to his surprisingly out of character story about tailgating. But here's the thing, Bobby, it's not out of character for him. It is his character. We've heard stories before where he got into like, um, Steven Spielberg's dual type of situation in <laughs> Cleveland. Yeah. And I love, I love Andrew. I know I give him a hard time, but I consider him a close friend. I consider him a great person. Uh, this is a big blind spot for Andrew. He, he drives like an asshole. And, and here's the thing, Andrew, if you're going to drive like that, you have to be prepared for someone to jump out of their car. You know, and I, I definitely wouldn't drive that way in Texas because even if the person in the car in front of me is not a tough person, there's a chance they have a real good chance they have a gun. So this is dangerous behavior. It's almost more dangerous than hitting on someone's girlfriend in a bar. Um, you or have to be podcast. ready for someone to come at you if you're going <laughs> to tailgate like that. That's that's crazy. He's got to stop that. Um, I was actually mainly surprised at how he carried himself during the confrontation. I mean, that you're absolutely right. Uh, you've got to be prepared to sort of put your money where your mouth is if somebody stops and is willing to get out of their car and make a scene. Mm -hmm. um, but at the end, when Andrew, did he say blows him a kiss? Yes. And gives him a little toot toot? <laughs> Jesus. That's the equivalent of when, when Luke patted that dude on the head yes. in, yep. the, in the bar. Absolutely. Um. Luke actually reminisces about a, a road rage story from when Addie was a kid and his ex-wife was in the car and just going toe-to-toe -to -toe with a guy. Actually, a very similar story to that recent reflection on the Mandarin Gate where nobody really wants to fight, but nobody wants to say they don't want to be the one to fight. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> that happens a lot when you when you play uh, pickup sports. It's, right. There's a lot of fight, no fight. Right. Well, because you're not. it's not like somebody's trying to get to the playoffs. Right, <laughs> right. You just try. You 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 kind of want to win the game, and you kind of want to not look like a, a pussy, but you also kind of don't want to take a trip to the emergency room today over this this uh, bullshit at Green Lake. Right, uh, and then we move on to. I don't think I labeled it as the top story, but it certainly was the Vern Funk guy passing. Mm -hmm. um, this is where I'm going to hand it to you guys because I <laughs> I was in town this week. I heard about this on the talk radio as well as on tbtl and i get it but it doesn't resonate with me well i think he's kind of the um you know every every town has its crazy commercial guys and seattle had no shortage of those guys king and bunnies and we used to have cal worthington like they yes. had in california too but uh the difference with the Vern funk stuff is he he was kind of funny and the commercials were always creative i mean they were hit or miss but they and it was pop culture know, it, stuff. Yeah, yeah. They would do Back to the Future parody and, and things right. like that. Whatever and, was popular. And even when it missed, he was funny. Because he, you could tell he knew it was missing. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> well, and I was surprised this whole time until Luke started talking about him maybe a couple of years ago. I thought that guy was Vern Fonk. Yeah, I think a lot of people did. And when – so the thing with Vern Fonk is it's an insurance – a broker here yeah. in Seattle that specialized in people that had DUIs, like high risk insurance. Mm -hmm. And when I got divorced, there was no way I was high risk at all. I never had an accident or a ticket or anything. When I got divorced and had to get new car insurance, I went to Vern Funk because of the commercials. 
And Mm -hmm. when they were helping me, they're like, oh, you don't have any issues? Oh, this is super easy. (laughs) (laughs) Why aren't you at a reputable insurance firm? (laughs) Why are you here again? (laughs) Because that's the kind of insurance it is, uh, Bobby. Like, um, every, every state has their own, like, minimum insurance and, and right. you, uh, as, as a, as a, as a white person, you usually just have regular insurance because you can get just regular insurance that's actually going to pay off. Uh, but if you just want the insurance that won't get you thrown into jail when you get pulled over and that's the kind of place you have to go to. And yeah, I, I feel bad that people have to get their insurance through there because you get your insurance through there, but good luck ever making a claim at right. Vern Fonk or, or anywhere <laughs> like that. I, I'll, I'll stick with State Farm on that. Thanks. I remember being a poor kid and getting mm-hmm. the absolute bare minimum insurance right. in New York State. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that Did was it just... ever occur to you when you were getting that, Bobby, that you might want to make a claim on it someday? No. No. You, you no. were getting it so you could drive and not, not get hauled into jail. Right, I just needed the check stop lifted at the DMV so I could get my yeah. flights right. Right. Uh, Tuesday ended with a conversation about the Snohomies, the girls, was it softball? Yes. Softball yeah. team. Um, strategically working their brackets to, uh, to lose a game to win better odds in their tournament. Mm-hmm. And then the outrage and backlash thereof. Mike, what do you um, think about that? Well, I, I think they, Made a mistake. I think Luke even said what they should have done was just, uh, play their, play their scrubs and let them play their hearts out. And if you win, you win. If you lose, you lose. Uh, I, it, it's really, I wouldn't want to be that on that other team when someone's striking out intentionally or, you know, that's humiliating to the other team. I want you to try your hardest, even if you're 10 times better than me. Right. Uh, right. Cause it's embarrassing. So I, I just, I felt like they should have been punished in some way and they, they really should have just put in, put in the end of the bench people and let them play as hard as they could. Man, I know it's different in softball and, and I guess it wouldn't really work, but my first thought was you put your catcher out for a pitch out and you just walk those assholes in until they score some runs. Mm-hmm. You know, you can fight back, uh, but it's a lot harder, uh, it's a lot harder to drive in another team's runs. Um, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I generally agree with what Luke said. So I, I was in Seattle, like I said, I landed Wednesday morning and I was driving around in my rental tank and I caught this story also on Cairo and it was Tom Curley and someone filling, or not Curley, someone filling in for Curley and Tagney and they were talking about, of course, the very Homer view of this, which was, hey, they played the game the best they could play the game, playing the brackets, they shouldn't be punished. And I was just cringing the whole time because, yeah, it's the spirit of the game. I mean, how painful is it as a batter to go up there and intentionally whiff over yeah. and over again? I mean, it's just demoralizing. I wouldn't want to be one of those players, and I can't imagine a grown-up telling non-adults to play like that. Well, Curly probably just wants to make sure that as these young ladies reach adulthood that they are denied female health care. That's pr- <laughs> really probably his own... His only angle on that. Well, I'd like to know if he was coaching a team, he probably would have done the same thing. Yeah. Right. So I missed it, but Curly was not on the air that day because he was apparently transporting an old pickup truck he owns or something. I don't know. Uh, but I think the guy who was filling in for him was one of the 710 AM ESPN guys, I think. Mm -hmm. And so it was very sort of sports Homer heavy and it was just Mm -hmm. a little ridiculous. 
But um, yeah, I agreed. And uh, I think what the resolution of that later in the week was that they played a playoff game against the team that they were fearing and they lost. Right. So came around <laughs> to bite them in the ass. Yeah. Um, my only note from Tuesday that we didn't get to yet was uh, Luke told a quick side story about flying to Vegas to meet friends, including the mummy who was, of course, unreliable in booking his flight. And then <laughs> when everybody else got there, the mummy didn't show because, quote, his roommate's goat had a seizure. Isn't that the roommate's problem? Right. <laughs> and I missed which goat it was, so I don't know if it was Disco or Cobra Face. <laughs> I, I believe it so. was Disco that had the seizures. And he really wouldn't be able to tell because they would just look like Saturday Night Fever, right? Yeah, I mean, goat's goat's behavior is bizarre anyway. Right. So, yeah, I don't know how you tell when one's having a seizure. I just wanted <laughs> to get that line out there. Um, so, Wednesday, 1929. Uh, did, was I missing something for you, Mike? No. All no. right. Wednesday, Go 1929, on. The Girl with the Dragon Trampoline. This is the show uh, taped in the car en route to Chateau Saint-Michel. Uh, starting with Luke picking up Andrew, which is always fun when they sort of just jump in live action like that. Um, and Luke was surprisingly organized. He had his run sheet taped to his dash. He had notes. He had sort of outfitted the car appropriately, except he still had to hold the microphone, so it wasn't safe, but that's okay. Um, they need those Britney Spears mics where their headphones with the microphone. Right. Um, I was impressed that they did this much of a show, just considering that they were in the car. Um, and I think there was a technical issue. I think the original version uploaded cut off short, and then there was even more talking. But um, well, there was they, a lot more they should content. have had Sean DeTore in the car, and they could have had a four-and-a-half-hour show trying to get from Seattle to Woodenville. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this episode features uh, Luke's bad accents. Oh, which actually uh, was one of the local commercials from Rochester when I was a kid, which was uh, Vinny and Angelo around to Dodge. Uh, so, yeah, offensive Italian accents. <laughs> Andrew offers his credit card to some Australians on his flight. That was a baller move. Yeah. Yeah. Especially that Good food job, on the Andrew. airplane is pretty expensive. Well, he got cash. Right. Uh... Right. He just kited the money for... Yeah. Wait, what did you say? He did what with the money? Uh, he like, kited. Like kiting, like check kiting. Oh. Yeah. Thank you for clarifying like, so it doesn't sound like I said a slur. Yeah, that's what like, I thought you said. <laughs> <laughs> like he's going to pay later, you know, on his okay. credit card. But he got okay. cash in hand. He pulled kind of a move like if you're in college and you have your parents' credit card or something. Just buy something for somebody so that you can get the cash from them. Okay. Right. Well, this happens uh, going out to dinner with a bunch of people. You know, one person mm -hmm. has a credit card and six people have cash. And mm -hmm. when that's me, I'm just like, oh, hey, free ATM. I'll put yeah. it all on my card and take all of your money. And then later you realize, oh, I really do have to pay for this. Right. <laughs> uh, we're overdue for a Luke uh, poop story. And we get it from the Crestview <laughs> because he and Camaro <laughs> Cap went to see Mad Max. Oh, man. I've I've been in that bathroom. That is nowhere to be. That is nowhere to be <laughs> well, for that situation. Well, can we all agree that when you have um, in public diarrhea, it's now called Fury Road? <laughs> <laughs> that was yeah. my quote of the week. <laughs> yeah. That Fury I mean, Road leads leaves tracks. <laughs> 
Uh, you know, it was a really slow week. Um, it was. So thank God we had that story to help move things along. Um, the top story on Wednesday was just celebrating the idea of driving and the guys do a little reminiscing about their childhoods, including Andrew playing car bingo and Luke knowing a girl with a trampoline. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, Andrew had one. Right. Well, and we are learning that Andrew sort of lived the country high hog life as right. a kid. Hey, we've said it before. Andrew had a dad, bro. Um, the guy, everything about him. I mean, screams dad, bro, including the, what came out this week that they had a conversion van with a TV and VCR in it. <laughs> um, I think it's amazing that his dad is the person he is and Andrew is the person he is because that apple didn't fall from that tree. That apple was fired from a cannon away from that tree. <laughs> uh, well, the parents, you know, Luke's... Excuse me. Andrew's parents took good care, though, because as Andrew told us, they did bring in a hate tutor for him. <laughs> right, right, right. That's not cheap. That's not no. cheap. Yeah. Andrew's dad must have been doing well. It's a lot of thoughtfulness for someone who grew up in the country. Yeah. Yeah. Very worldly. You can uh, just just uh, get on the trampoline with your hate tutor and just do lessons. Uh, they had conversation about once again the pilot of Quantum Leap on VHS in that conversion Jeez. van. <laughs> Why is Quantum Leap just... I, I don't get it. It's everywhere. What's going on? Well, it's in I'm the I'm scared. Is it coming thanks, back? Thanks to uh, our friends... Well, maybe not friends. Over at the Grapes of Rad. <laughs> I consider Nick a friend. All right. There you go. Uh, so Nick, Nick, the star of this podcast. Um, I've been listening to their Leap Home, a Look Bacula podcast, and... They did the pilot first, and the funniest part about the pilot of that show is that it's a two-part series where Scott Bakula leaps into a pilot. Hmm. Mm, okay. Little on the nose. Do you think that was meant? <laughs> I don't think you could do that on accident. Yeah, okay. I think it's a good one to start with because that would be particularly terrifying. Right. <laughs> to me, anyway. I'd be like, All right. Um, this is not good for anybody. So I know the answer from Pape is no because he's too young. But Mike, did you watch this show? When I did on? not. I was aware of it, and I, I think I caught some of it sometimes. It was a good show, but I, I never, I never actually sat down and watched it. Did you? My parents were into it, and I didn't see ever see the beginning part where they explained that he was leaping into different people. So I, would, mm -hmm. I didn't understand why he would look in the mirror, and you know, I didn't understand the concept. Mm -hmm. So it just seemed like a really stupid show. He, did he leap into women? Yeah. I guess an awkward yes. thing to say, I guess. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he did. He did often. So I, I never understood what was happening. And then I think. See, the, the first 10 minutes after that leap, which, that's just, that's me time. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm going to need a minute. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. I got to go to the restroom for a minute, guys. Okay. I got to check this out. A uh, couple of points. Oh, One, I thought you were really saying you needed a break. <laughs> <laughs> had I had I leapt into your body, Christy, we would be. Yeah. I'd be taking a break. Right <laughs> Jeremy, you do what you want with this. You're editing today. <laughs> <laughs> Two notes. One, Quantum Leap, late '80s, early '90s. So I was a young kid. I do have sort of still frames in my mind of episodes of Quantum Leap on TV. So uh, I did, certainly didn't follow it closely. Um, I would say my generational show for that era was actually 
Star Trek The Next Generation. Okay. But um, I do have moments of Quantum Leap, uh, and I've gone back and watched some of the episodes in syndication. You're talking about someone who's marathoned all 12 seasons of Murder, She Wrote on Netflix. So I've watched a lot more TV of that era than people might realize. Hey, I didn't know about the Murder, She Wrote. In fact, you probably told me before, and I thought you were kidding, but you have a you have a thing about these murder shows where there are way more murders than there should be in a particular place or right. segment of the population. Like Cabot Cove, was that the name of the Yeah, Cabot place Cove, in? highest murder rate per capita of anywhere in the <laughs> world. Gotta get out of there. It's you gotta worse, get out of there. It's worse than any corner of Somalia. It's just <laughs> terrible. <laughs> and then and then uh, I don't want to join the Navy. Because no. NCIS has me believing that everybody's murdering everybody. It, you have bat- you're you're already at risk because you're going to war, and then you don't even get there because everyone's murdering each other over here. Right, <laughs> right. Um, and actually, so if you've ever listened to the the Quantum Leap podcast that those guys do, or you're just sort of an astute observer, you'll realize a lot of these shows are all Donald P. Belisario. So mm-hmm. not Murder She Wrote. That's in its own little category, but um, Quantum Leap, and then. You know, NCIS is a spinoff of JAG, which was Belisario, and then NCIS has got a couple of spinoffs off it. Now, yeah, the Navy's just a dangerous place, but so is just anything Donald P. Belisario touches. <laughs> sure. Um, Andrew muses that he should start his own podcast called Columbo A Look Bacula, which I, I would, dumb. I might listen to that. Yeah. Um, the only other note I have from Wednesday that amused me was that uh, Luke just put out a legal disclaimer that anyone acknowledging the existence of Rudy automatically uh, consents to anything Rudy might do to them at the picnic, <laughs> and that he and Carrie have no legal liability over Rudy once you acknowledge Rudy exists. They've given up, right? They've given yeah. up trying to control Rudy completely, right? Yes. Uh, but I met Rudy at the picnic perfectly well-behaved. Oh. Yeah. Probably tired. Yeah, I would be too. A tired dog is a good dog, always. I I just think that labs have an abnormally long puppy face, and they're big. So when you're little and cute, you can get away with things. But when you're (laughs) a bigger dog and doing puppy-like stuff, it's annoying, I guess. I think, well, the thing is, it it scares some people. Mm -hmm. Like, they think when a dog puts his paws up that they're being attacked. Um, And I understand that. And the bigger the dog, the more terrifying it is. I mean, your dog can can put its paws up Christy and still blow my knee. Mm-hmm. So I'm not too scared. But if it were, you know, 70, 80, 90 pound dog and it's being friendly, it can still come off as intimidating if you're not a dog person. Right. Uh, so with that, we should go to Thursday, 1930. TBTL Summer Picnic, The Adventure Begins Again. Um, I went back and listened to parts of the episode, but I was also there for the episode and Christy (laughs) and I were there and, you know, it was a relatively uneventful day, but it was really nice out. The weather was good. The picnic was in the shade. Um, there was lots of food. Uh, Phyllis Fletcher helped moderate an AMA with the audience instead of, uh, Luke and Andrew doing any actual work. (laughs) And, um, and that, that was pretty much it. Did I miss anything guys? Uh, I didn't listen to it, so I'm not, oh. I'm not really sure. I'm yeah. not really sure if anything happened, so. Oh, oh God. I remember. I'm sorry. I forgot. Uh, there was the Oh, the garbage the plates. Farewell, Farewell brought the garbage plates. I, I heard about that. Yes, yeah, did that you happened. see the Farewell. picture? It was a yeah. setup. It was impressive. He put, he, we, they took a table from another section of the winery <laughs> and carried it over to set up a buffet 
for the farewell plates with mm-hmm. kielbasa. I gotta say, a, a thoroughly original and delicious touch. Um, super impressed. So thank you, Kevin. And uh, as if there wasn't enough food, that really was the icing on the, the <laughs> sure. garbage plate cake. Uh, right. So lots of food. The Scrappy Doo song, Dennehy, Serengeti, uh, went up on paper ballot against El King's X's nose, and El King won by a margin. Can of you guys explain why the low turnout? I mean, did everyone turn into Luke all of a sudden? Well, nobody bothered to register three weeks before the picnic. Yeah, right. lots of people didn't have their IDs at the ready. Oh yeah, those the new laws they got here in Texas. Yeah, right. They, people couldn't afford the poll tax, so there were no. You have to have four, no fourteen pens. kinds of ID that confirm that you're white in order to to right. vote. There were no pens Texas. to vote, so then that that's no pens voter hold back right there. Yeah, oh, it's true. Yeah, God. bring your own pen. Um, no, there was no shortage of white people, Mike. <laughs> this is a scandal. <laughs> this is what This built. is a scandal. <laughs> Uh, so it was 88 total votes. That's how many people were there? 300? Something like it was. It was a full picnic. I I don't know what it looked like compared to years past, Christy. You can shed some light there, but it looked pretty bumping to me. It, it felt like there was a thousand people. <sighs> this turnout. We, I I demand a recall. I demand a, a a runoff. I don't know what what to demand. I have no rights, so I can't. Right, but. you can't vote anyway, so. <laughs> I just can't believe that that song, that that uh, the Dennehy song didn't win. I wanted that. Yeah, I you know I'm of two minds about this. On one hand, I can't believe that Dennehy song didn't win because that's what we do, right? I mean, we voted a Polish pop song, the song of the summer, three years ago. Uh, on the other hand, I wonder if there was just a bit of backlash to like wanting the system to actually work the way it should on paper, like the real song actually mm-hmm. won. Uh, either way, I guess Stu's just not getting hired. So, too yeah, bad. that's a shame. Um, Stubot throwing his own picnic for one might have been the highlight of the picnic <laughs> uh, for me. I agree. Anyone else worried about him? You think he's going a little deep? <laughs> uh, sometimes when when I see his like about one hundredth tweet of the day, around five or six o'clock at night, I'm I'm thinking. Uh, Stu. Yeah. Come on, buddy. Uh, to pull back the curtain a little bit, uh, we're taping now. It's just after noon on Sunday on the East. It's in the morning for the rest of you all. Um, I was watching CBS Sunday morning, getting my notes together for this recording session, and they're doing a rerun today of the innovation episode where Luke mm-hmm. does a couple of different interviews. And so I was listening to Friday's show, and I look up, and I see Luke Burbank's face on my television, and it kind of messed with me for a second. So I took a picture of the TV, and I tweeted out at it. And Stu immediately retweeted it, and it's got to be, what, uh, 9 o'clock Sunday morning mm-hmm. where he is when it's happening? Well, yeah, I guess Glenn gets up early and does some isometrics in the living room and wakes everyone up. Right. So, you know, <laughs> he might as well be tweeting. Right. Um, I guess there's a little bit more picnic news. How do you want to handle this? Uh, Christy, it's your news. Oh, gosh. Uh, <laughs> no. Well, I, I'm... Okay, yeah, go ahead. Well, just like Saturday, where we talked about this a little bit before we put in the old picnic episodes, um, there's a reason we don't give Jeremy a mic, and it's so that he and Mike don't have to duke it out for your honor. (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe I trimmed my nose hair for you and you go marry this other 
guy. We're not I mean, come yet. on. That's true. Hey, hey, let me ask you this though. Um, were you surprised in general that, that he, I mean, of course you were surprised in the moment, but were you surprised in general that he asked you to marry him? Did you think that this was still something that was far off or was not going to happen? Yes. Really? How, how far off did you think it was or did you, had you not even put it, put a mind to that? Um, well, we hadn't really talked about it, but recently my best friend got engaged. So I'm knee deep in her neck deep, I guess it was, they say, um, in wedding planning for her and she has Mm -hmm. a giant budget and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger. So, um, I'm, I'm doing that and going to wedding venues and doing spreadsheets, you know, that I love, um, Mm -hmm. about that. And we were over there and she just said, well, when are you guys going to get engaged? And so we just had this like weird conversation that probably shouldn't be done for the first time in front of other people, I guess. And but then, he had already planned to do it at the picnic when this conversation happened. I I guess so, because it was just that's a- that's extra awkward for him. That's extra <laughs> right. awkward because he has well, to like pretend that he hasn't thought about it. Yeah, and he said that he's been thinking about it for months. Uh huh. That he was going to do it, and then the picnic just happened to he just decided that that's when he was going to do it. So he must have already had it planned. Um, mm-hmm. and then he just. Like the last couple of weeks just started saying like, well, I thought you said you never wanted to get married again. What, what changed or what happened? Or is this even something that you want to do? And I would just say, well, I don't not want to get married. I gave non-answers, mm-hmm. basically the equivalent of sure. <laughs> Why well, not? That's worth, well, just like you said, when he asked, <laughs> sure. Um, At least you didn't more- add the perfunctory. Why not? <laughs> I don't have anything else to do. Well, because I was married before, but I wasn't proposed to before. That's interesting, Christy. You always talk about how you've never been on a date and that you got married without being proposed to. How does how does this how does your love life happen? I just don't understand how it happens. <laughs> it happens to me. Yeah. Because <laughs> the rest of us have to do stuff. You know, we have to like make some kind of an effort. Right. Um, we did not have a conversation about clip of the week before getting into this before taping today, there was just so much else to talk about. Mm -hmm. Um, But I imagine this is as good as anything, right? Is to share with our listeners at home or wherever you may be um, the beginning of the rest of the lives of Jeremy and Christy. (laughs) Sure. Everyone. Yeah. All right. (laughs) So uh, uh, husband to be Jeremy, why don't you roll that for us now? I promised I would get over here. This is more little, shameless, little red bandwagon promotion. I don't know, but here we go with Jeremy from Seattle. Uh, I'm actually from Everett, sorry. My bad. Jeremy from Everett. It says Seattle, I just, anyway, sorry. Uh, So I actually have a question, like, kind of relating to the community that you guys have built. Um, I actually met Christy almost three years ago at, at the Mandarin Gate, which I heard is a place that you yes, like to frequent. Yes, it is a place. <laughs> and uh, thank you for letting me talk on the microphone. Mike Frizzell never gives me a mic, so I appreciate that. Silence, this is, Jeremy. It's a but, safe space for you, Jeremy. <laughs> Christy, my question is actually, can you come here for a minute? <laughs> uh, I was wondering if you would marry me. <laughs> Are you kidding me? 
Yes. Sure. She said sure. I hope you went to Jared. Wow. Do you want to? Do you feel a little on the spot, Christy? Do you want to, You don't have to talk. Is everything okay? Do you yep. feel? Do you feel like you're going into this? I feel a little weird. Are you okay with this? No pressure. Yes. Okay. Hi, everyone. Congratulations, you two. <laughs> Is this going to be your guys' uh, first dance song, too? I'm just saying, as a suggestion. Can I sit down now? <laughs> yes. Okay. And don't worry, we'll cut all this out. Yeah. <laughs> wow, congratulations, you two, Jeremy and Christy Wise. Aw. Um, now, Walsh. Yeah? You've been waging a long, long campaign on this show against public proposals, just the like of which we saw. I have anything to do ago. with this. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know. It's just weird for me because I was also going to propose to you, Christy. But I guess <laughs> have a great life together, guys. For those listening on the uh, their phones and such, uh, Christy pretended to take off the engagement ring and run towards Andrew. So this marriage is getting off to a hot, hot start. Congratulations, uh, YouTube. So basically adorable. <laughs> well, can I talk about this for a little bit? Okay. Yes. So to to give a little backstory is that I was trying to get Bobby Task a question. And then when he actually did, I was mortified um, just because I was so That was so awesome, though. It was, <laughs> it so, was great. so great. He did better than I thought because what I wanted him to say is Little Red Bandwagon, great podcast or the greatest. Right. <laughs> but he <laughs> did much better. That was the better. first draft. <laughs> that was the first draft. And when he said that, I was like, yes, that that's what he needs to say. And I kept I was texting him, do it. Do it now. You have to do it. And then when the microphone came over, I was like, oh, no. And, and he just kept going. And I didn't want to annoy that. Okay, so my biggest thing was I didn't want to annoy Luke and Andrew. And also, I didn't want to annoy the other people that are at the picnic. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, God, it's these guys again. Type yeah, thing. we're taking over. Just like we take over the Stens page, we're now right, we're taking right, over the picnic. Right, exactly. Yeah. So Jeremy had said before it, they even took questions, he goes, I'm, I'm going to raise my hand and ask a question, and but I'm going to make you talk. And I said, no, oh, no, do not do that. <laughs> so then when Bobby did it, and then when I heard them say, Jeremy has a question, I was like, fuck him. I'm not even looking back there. I'm just, <laughs> this is not happening. I'm not talking. So Every great proposal begins <laughs> with the bride-to-be <laughs> saying, fuck him. So I was just terrified of what is he going to do? And because... I have such a huge uh, public speaking fear and I don't like to be on like scene or whatever that I just thought I'm going to make a scene and I'm going to tell him I, I don't want to do this. No way that I was just thinking of that. So then when he said, uh-huh. Christy, I have a question for you. Um, it just, I just went dark. I, I blacked out completely. He I, should have asked you little red bandwagon. Good podcast. <laughs> Right. And I was seriously trying to think what what was the phrasing that they had said. And Luke said something like, oh, no, is this another plug for that show? And I thought, oh, God, they're annoyed with us. And what's happening? So I honestly don't remember. He asked me and I look down and I see his sister's there and she's crying. And I see 
I look out into this audience of what felt like a million people all with their cell phones up taking video and pictures of me. Aww. And I, I, if I, I'm surprised I didn't faint just because of the anxiety of the whole thing. Uh huh. But then, so I don't remember any of it. So I got to hear it the next day, which was nice because I got to hear <laughs> right. what actually happened. Yeah, there's no shortage of, of this event being recorded. Oh, for no. Sure. Yeah. And yeah. then I, I said, oh, all these people, it happens. We sit down. And then I started getting text <laughs> messages like from my sister. It would have been nice to hear from you that you got engaged. Oh, God. And I was like, oh, no, I have to do, I have, you know, I have to do damage control. So I just have to start sending text messages. Jeremy engaged me. But then people are asking follow-up questions and I can't do it, right? We're in the middle of a picnic. Mm -hmm. They're recording. Right. <laughs> the show goes on. Right. So also, if you listen to the tape, I said, yeah, sure. So I did say yes first. Okay. You said yeah. <laughs> You're right. Exactly. But I honestly don't remember any of it. <laughs> well, not to make this all about me. But from where I was sitting, first of all, I mean, you just heard on the tape, this all goes down in a matter of seconds. Um, also, from where I was sitting, not knowing that Jeremy was going to do that, because uh, as some people may have guessed, Jeremy sandbagged almost everyone on Earth mm -hmm. about mm -hmm. this. Um, I'm trying to flag down Phil Donahue, Phyllis Fletcher Donahue, to come over with the wireless mic so I can ask my stupid LRB plug which I'm a little nervous about and didn't really want to do, but Christy, you wanted me to do it. Mm -hmm. And she keeps looking at me and sort of nodding, but then leaving. Oh, because she thought that you Right. She were didn't in on know it. that I didn't know that Jeremy was oh. going to propose. And so there was this whole thing where when she came over to me, I think she expected me to be pivoting to Jeremy. Oh and then right! I didn't like you? Oh, were, you were going to really do a little funny. beatboxing and then and then pass the mic to Jeremy. Right, for... I was going to lower the bar as much as possible <laughs> so that Jeremy would have a coast in for his proposal. Well, and that's uh -huh. what's really funny is then they took another question, and Andrew thought that the mission had been aborted. Right, he, he said he got really nervous. Like, what's what's happening? Wait, I thought, oh no, what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing is just just coming together so haphazardly. Which I guess, you know, it's a TBTL event, so I wouldn't have it any other way, but what well, a Well, the whole thing sounded smooth. Your plug sounded smooth. Um, you didn't sound nervous. And then Jeremy, I, I, I guess in his mind, he, he messed up the speech a little bit, but it sounded fine. If I hadn't known, you know, what the speech, what speech he, the complete speech he wanted to give, I wouldn't have known that anything was omitted. You're just glad because he mentioned you in it. <laughs> well... Well, um, what's funny is a lot of people came up and, you know, congratulated me and talked to me. And more than one person asked if he had asked your permission, <laughs> Mike. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, because he did course, not. He did not. So but you knew. It's really not valid. So. You were one of the first. You were one of the only ones that knew. That's true. I did know. Right. I think you, Luke, Andrew, Phyllis, and my dads were the only ones who knew. And let me just say this, if there are any takedown listeners out there, I held my mud on this one, guys. So yes. I knew something was happening and I didn't I didn't spread it all over the place. Yeah, no kidding. You couldn't let a brother know. I was no. texting you right after it happened and I told you what happened and you just wrote back, Finally. <laughs> Did you know it was I'd been waiting all day to hear that. <laughs> you knew it was gonna happen at the picnic though? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um I have yeah. a little bit more tape I want to introduce before we move on. 
So mm-hmm. after uh, all was said and done with the show at the picnic, um, Phyllis Fletcher, actually our favorite field reporter, ran over and did a post-mort <laughs> interview with the happy couple. Uh, and as I was trying to figure out my flights on Friday coming back, I was also trading Facebook messages with Fletch, who went way over my head, technically speaking, explaining all the different ways she could prep the audio for me. So we have mm-hmm. uh, a clip of Phyllis interviewing Jeremy and Christy immediately after the show and the proposal. So we should put that in here now so everyone can enjoy that. I'm recording. I, I want to I see it, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he said it's um, me, him, and Ellie. So, I, you know, because this is what I'm trained in, I have to ask you what happened just now. Oh, wait, are you recording? I really am, yeah. Um, uh, Jeremy, my boyfriend, engaged me. So, <laughs> so, so how did this unfold for you? What was your perspective? I He had told me he was going to ask a question and then make me talk. And uh, he said he was going to talk about the Little Red Bandwagon. I was like, don't have me do this. I don't want to do a commercial. And then... When you said, oh, yeah, I have one more question, I was like, oh, you better not do anything. So I, was, I wasn't going to look back there. Oh, I don't know what to think. <laughs> Such a shock. Was it disappointing to have to look at my face while you were being proposed to? No, it made it better. <laughs> well, what would you like to say to Jeremy right now, even though he's over there? Oh, gosh. Uh, that was a good surprise. <laughs> I had no idea it was not on my radar at all. Yeah. That's awesome. Best wishes. I'm going to do it to him now. Okay. So, what happened just now? I, uh, I proposed to Christy. So, when did you come up with this? Uh, a couple months ago. A couple months ago, yeah. And I started, I wrote Andrew about it a couple, maybe a week and a half or two weeks ago. And how did that exchange go? So I originally wrote him and just said, hey, I'm thinking about doing this at the picnic. And uh, and he said, he wrote me back and was like, okay, I have to ask, given my outspoken stance against public proposals, are you sure she's okay with it? And I, I had no, I didn't know. <laughs> I don't actually listen that much. I don't get to listen to TBSL that much. So I didn't actually know that that was something that he was against. But, uh, but he said he was happy to be a hypocrite in this instance. So... <laughs> Oh, that's great. So then how did it unfold for you just now? Uh, well, uh, I, I was trying my hardest to not be nervous, and I completely bombed the uh, the question that I had. I had this whole script that I'd practiced multiple times today by myself. I was practicing it before the picnic in the bathroom, actually, wondering if anybody was in the stall next to me. <laughs> and uh, I just got up and pretended to ask a question, and... There it was. So she actually said yes, which is good. So I told her, I said earlier when they did the Q&A, I told her, I said, if I get up there, I'm going to have you get up and say something. And she said, absolutely not. I do not want to be on the, <laughs> I do not want to be on the thing, so don't ask me. Well, if you could say something to her right now, even though she's right over there, what would you say? Uh, surprise. <laughs> and uh, here's to a wonderful life. Well, congratulations. Well done. You didn't seem nervous at all. You pulled it off. Oh, God. Thank you. I'm going to go grab someone. Wants Thank to you for your help. Oh, yeah. You're welcome. Yeah. Was it annoying to have to have me, like, standing right there while you're doing no, this thing? it was fine. I was glad you were there. <laughs> Good? Well, I'm going to have some spicy Chex Mix now. <laughs> okay. It's right over here. Oh, my wife. Thank you. The lesson to take away from this is that if you're going to have any major life-changing news or events, 
have a seasoned reporter nearby. <laughs> right. Well, I she started asking me questions because people were coming up and she was asking me questions and I was answering and then she would put her phone because she did it us all on our phone. She put the phone up to her mouth and I was like, oh, you're actually recording this. You really are. <laughs> this is really happening. So then I got even more embarrassed. This whole thing. Oh, I- so the next day at work, my work friend just happened to come. Because we work right there. So she's like, oh, I might as well wait out the traffic. So she just happened to be there. And I'm not the person that comes in like, hey, everyone, gather around. I have an announcement. You know, that's mm-hmm. not me at all. And so she came in and told people. And then it was this big thing of me being on, on the stage. Again. And everyone everyone celebrated you. That's yes, nice. You know, I hate that. That's why <laughs> I like to plan weddings because I'm the person that's not seen nor heard. I just take care of everything. Well, ah, Milford Christy, <laughs> Christy, that yes. leads us to the obvious question. Okay. Uh, your wedding. Yes. Is there a plan? No. What's really weird about people is that this was obviously a surprise. Obviously, right? I mean, they mm-hmm. everyone. Saw yeah. Their face. So they're asking you. Yeah, yeah. I know. If I, I know have a going. date. <laughs> right. So, right. Have, how, have you come up with a date in the last four minutes? Yes. Yeah, how much proposed? of a psychopath would I have been if I had an actual date right away? Oh yeah, May fourteenth. Yeah, we got mm-hmm. it all set. Uh, in yeah. the last four minutes, I've reserved. Uh, yeah. It's going to be a uh, cash bar, yeah. and you know, it's going to be great. Maybe Star Wars theme. So yeah. Well, See my there. first one was Star Wars theme, so I can't do that again. Yeah. No, Empire Strikes Back. Christie Strikes Back this time. <laughs> Did you guys not get the Google Calendar and Docs invites from Jeremy about five minutes after the proposal? <laughs> I thought we were He's all so on the organized. Same page. That guy. <laughs> so congratulations. Thank you. Uh, yes, congratulations. There's Christine. plenty of time to plan it. Well, we we uh, Pape said right after the next day that I need to get my laminated list in order. And Mike, I have a question for you about this. Sure. Um, does what what are the parameters of someone that's famous? Is it someone that has a IMDb page? Can I put that? Mm, IMDb, no, because there are plenty of famous people that haven't been in TV and movies. But if they're S- if they have an IMDb page, can they go on the list? Uh, I think so, right? Okay, so I just need to make sure Josh Opitz is still is still available. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I was chatting with him very late last night, and he's anyone who you can chat with at like two fifteen in the in the morning. Usually available. Okay. So you can get your other four names in order. Um, well, just and... Josh five times. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, that's going to be quite if, a if, weekend. If anyone um, wants to see a picture of Josh Opitz, uh, I don't think there's one on his IMDb mm-mm. page, but I think, uh, Bobby, don't you have one on uh, robertpape.com? I, I have one I can post. And okay. it, it's kind of a personal one because he sent it to me directly. Um, I mm. wouldn't call it compromising, but I would definitely call it intimate. I'll put it up mm. there. Let's just I say it's in my favorites. It. You know, exactly. It's directly below Andy Haynes shirtless. Mm-hmm. And, you know, many spots above it's, Andy Haynes with shirt. It's don't don't Google Josh Opitz bottomless. Just go to robertpape.com <laughs> and it's there. I think that covers the picnic episode and the picnic. I mean, from for me, it was just so great meeting everyone and seeing everyone and you know, there was slightly different kind of crowd there than at the Mariners game earlier this summer. So, I um, had a Bobby, lot of fun. did you have one of Jeremy's Jack in the Box tacos? 
I did have one of Jeremy's Jack in the Box tacos, and it was my first ever Jack in the Box taco. Um, I won't be crushed if it's my last. Well, it's also <laughs> cold, and you weren't drunk. Right. Mm. Well, right. Uh, it was it was lukewarm, actually, <laughs> and um, so was my level of inebriation. So we kind of met in the middle, but it wasn't enough. <laughs> so mm-hmm. thank you, everyone, for making a special day for me. That's all that really matters. Stop bragging. I'm so tired of your bragging about being at the picnic. Uh, Friday, 1931. Keep up the rubbish. Um, I think we can plow through this one pretty quick. Um, I took a lot of notes, but they, they're very short. Uh, Luke is jealous of the jawline on the Luke doll. <laughs> Andrew tries to make himself smaller, especially while flying, uh, to avoid awkward man-spreading type situations. I completely get that, actually, having flown back and forth to Seattle this week. Um, Follow-up on the fat Jew and a bunch of other hashtags that I don't understand because I'm not cool or popular. (laughs) Um, The Documentary Now series, the parody documentary series by Fred Armisen and Bill Hader and Seth Meyers, I think. Um, They talked about that a little bit. I haven't seen any of it yet. Have you? I haven't seen any of the documentaries i know it i know it'll be funny even without that but it it kind of is guilting me into watching the documentary so that i will find the right. their show funnier um i worry about the sustainability of a show like that going after a different docudramas or documentary style every week but mm-hmm. you know it's the internet so maybe it's meant to be fleeting i can't wait to yeah it seems it. like a grueling process to try to parody a different documentary every week instead of going on in the same style like the office right. you know a, a mockumentary style that that's easier to sustain because you don't have to change the tone and and the way it's shot and all that every week so yeah it would be interesting to to see how they pull it off um there's a voicemail at the top of the show from i won't say older because mike i think he's about your age uh maybe just a little bit older than you uh, about how people of any age can keep up with hip new music. And he was a little bit offended at the notion that Barack Obama wouldn't be up with the hip new music the kids are listening to. Yeah, and it, I think it led Luke to do his Barack Obama impression, which I've noted is just speaking in a lower tone, mm-hmm. and you clip the end. That's really that's really all he has. It's really all anybody has on the Obama impression. It's really been a dry eight years Right. For impersonating the president. Um, I agree with what Luke said, though, is it's also opportunity. He, yeah, he he's not like going in and out, out of, the, of the CVS like me. Yeah, right. he doesn't hear as much Natalie Merchant and Foreigner <laughs> as I do because he doesn't run his own errands. Yeah, when I worked when I worked downtown Seattle, I would go to this coffee shop all the time across from my work. And I would constantly be going in, oh, what's a song, and shazamming it. And that's how I found a bunch of different um, different artists that I liked that I wouldn't have known about. Also, Song of the Summer. If Barack Obama wants to listen to music, he can start listening to TBTL or Little Red Bandwagon for his music needs. Yeah, absolutely. And it will always feel like the first time. <laughs> um, or the third. Yes. Oh, classic. Um, Luke said that a bunch of people at the picnic told him that he looked thinner than they expected him to based on how much shit talk he does about Mm -hmm. his own weight. I agree. I agree that he looks thinner than he acts. I did not walk up and tell him he was thin. 
I just, you know, I figured he didn't need any more ego than everyone else was giving him at that moment. Yeah, I mean, he—I've seen him a lot, and I thought that he looked on the thin scale of his, yeah, of what I've seen him before. Yeah, uh, and Andrew, no slouch either. Uh, looked just fine to me. A couple of times I went up and talked to him briefly. Uh, yeah, so there you go. But I guess if they don't bitch about that, then there's no show. <laughs> uh, any other notes from Friday, guys? Anything you want to get into? Uh, the only other note I had was <clears throat> Luke seems like he's determined at some point to take up fly fishing, but he somehow wants to do it without hooking a fish. Mm-hmm. So how does that work? He just wants to go stand in the in some hip waders mm-hmm. and, and cast. And look like Brad Pitt. Is, <laughs> yeah, actually, when I got home from work last night, Emily was watching A River Runs Through It, obviously inspired by, and I'd, I'd read that book. I really enjoyed the book and I never saw the movie. Um, the, the co-star in that movie, Brad Pitt's co-star, uh, Craig Sheffer, I think is his name. He was supposed to be a big deal. Like he was in the program and A River Runs Through It. And that was like 1992, 93. And boy. Talk about two guys who went the opposite directions. <laughs> He's one of those guys, I, I saw him and I go, oh yeah, that guy was a movie star. <laughs> but I think he did like an 11 year stint on one of your procedurals, Bobby. I I'm forget which now. one. Uh, yeah. Uh, quick promo on CSI. Not one of my shows. Um, <laughs> Christy, the good news don't, is he- don't, Hey, it's all right for you to say it's not one of your shows, Bobby, but don't sound dismissive of it. You're in no position to be <laughs> right. dismissive of any of my shows. No, no, no. De- definitely not. Um, oh, that's not one of my shows. Oh. <laughs> CSI, that's garbage. <laughs> uh, no, he was on One Tree Hill. Oh, right. It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't a procedural. Right. It was, Which uh, I, exactly. Yeah. So I have no idea what that is. But in 2010, he did a guest spot on Criminal Minds. I could get behind that. Um, <laughs> Actually, no. He was the love interest of the the lady that the, with the quirky jewelry that enhances all the photos and gets into this, <laughs> the tricky databases in like four, less than four seconds. You're going to need to be more specific. <laughs> yeah, there's there's one of those on every one of those shows. But he's on IMDb, and he is almost as yeah. attractive as uh, oh, don't as say put him on Opitz. your list. He's no Josh Ovitz. <laughs> don't do not Google Craig Sheffer toothless. <laughs> gross music for your weekend andrew brings us the physics so funky good pick i like it luke i don't know where the hell he came up with this but a blaze foley cover clay pigeons as performed by michael sarah that wow. michael sarah and uh that was rough to listen to yeah uh and adam it's... listener adam i don't want to spend any more time on the michael sarah thing because it was awful no adam no no uh <laughs> brings in Nathaniel uh, Ratliff and the Night Sweats SOB, which was a jam. It was a good one to go out with. Um, yeah, the name the name of the band is pretty regrettable, but the song was pretty good. Well, it's going to be their only hit, probably. So, right, that's fine. As a fellow who frequently gets Night Sweats, I don't like to talk about them or see a band that has it in the title. <laughs> uh, and that's it. That's your week in review, guys. Um, Yay! Uh, I'm back, guys. Glad to have you. Christy, uh, I have a note in here for housekeeping, but I think we can just safely say the archive project is well underway. If you're yes. not in the Facebook group, shoot us a message and we'll get you in the Facebook group. And thank you all. Um, tens of tens coming out to work on the archive project, and we're glad to have you. Uh, get involved, guys. Uh, the Saturday shows keep on churning. We cheated this week and didn't give you a guest because we wanted to look back at Picnic's past. 
But we are back into the uh, saddle. Yeah, sure, the saddle this week. If you want to be a 10 featured on our Saturday show, go to littleredbandwagon.com and fill out the form. You can also find us on Facebook, Little Red Bandwagon. Twitters, I'm at RLPape. And you can find that really awkward picture of Luke Burbank that I took of my TV of him on CBS Sunday Morning, which I just <laughs> tweeted about. Uh, Mike, Drew McFrizz on Twitter. Uh, Christy, Kissy Eyes, K-I-S-S-I-E-Y-E-S. Jeremy, your betrothed at Dadstronaut. And the show Twitter, which is also Jeremy in his alter ego of free toilet paper at LRB Podcast. <laughs> Email us at littleredbandwagon at gmail.com. Leave us a voicemail or a text at 802-432-TBTL. Uh, Christy, will we be getting uh, a post-nuptial episode, or a, a rather planning wedding episode of Nerd Out Loud anytime soon? Um, Sure. Great. <laughs> Way to sell it, Christy. I'm, I'm, I'm anxious to hear that one. No. It has not been recorded yet. We've had okay. quite a week. It has been okay. a busy week. But if I you think, listen, and- if, if you listen, I will definitely be talking about my new job and it does have, it is the uh, TV tale related story within that. Oh, oh yeah. That teaser. is a good story. Yeah. I like it. All right. Uh, we're getting long on the tooth. Let's get out of here. So, uh, Christy. Until next time, this is the next party. I love you, Jim. Welcome back, Mike. Nailed it.